and Gambo, live at Footprint Center on Sunday. Presented by Nicolo Bultra. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, live from Footprint Center. We'll be with you until 6.30. We've got a big Suns Day broadcast for you because the Milwaukee Bucks in town taking on the Phoenix Suns tonight. Gambo reported in the last segment, if you're just tuning in, prayer on Burns and Gambo, that every single Suns player is available tonight yep. beyond Kevin Durant, Landry Shamit. Obviously, they're yep. not. But I'm hearing they're all available. They played last night, so there was, was a the, the potential that they could have rested a guy or two. But from what I'm hearing, and everyone is available for that game. So they'll go in with a, a full complement of guys outside of the injured guys. We'll see what the Milwaukee Bucks plans are. Um, I was mistaken. Kellen Olsen tweeted out a video of Jay Crowder on the floor warming up. We haven't even talked. We haven't even spent one second talking about the return of Jay Crowder tonight. Hasn't even come up. Is that because it's not a big deal? It's not a big deal. Why is it not a big deal? Just because... Tell me why. He hasn't played for the Phoenix Suns in such a long time. Okay. You know, he wasn't a part of this year's team. I mean, he was just never, he was never a part of this year's team. So, you know, it's, it's like a guy that moved on from last year's team. Unlike Cam and McHale, who played this year, Jay was out of sight and out of mind for eight months. I mean, the last time we saw Jay Crowder play was against the Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs in Game 7. For a lot of games that they played from that point. I mean, listen, you know, he, he was a guy that you liked him, you didn't love him, but you liked Jay Crowder when he was on your team. He was here for two years, did a good job. But there's no animosity against him, I don't believe. There might be some. But, I'll be curious to see lot. if there is some animosity towards him tonight. You know, because, I mean, he did. We obviously don't know the full story of what happened. You know, we know bits and pieces, and you've talked about what you know about what happened between him and Monty. Yes. Um, I, I think some, some Suns fans will look at it very black and white. And black and white was, hey, you still had a responsibility to show up. You still had a responsibility to be here. You still had a responsibility to come here and play. And I think some some Suns fans will hold that against them, regardless of the other circumstances involved. They'll just look at it and go, you didn't play. You chose not to show up. Bad on you, and they're going to let them know about it tonight. Except I think most people understand that it wasn't all his decision. It wasn't like he didn't want Monty didn't want him. Monty didn't want to coach him. Monty did not want to coach him. He thought he was too hard to handle. So he didn't want to coach Jay. So he's the one that, you know, Monty orchestrated a lot of it. I mean, he called him during the summer, uh, unbeknownst to, to a lot of people in the organization, and told him that he was going to come off the bench, and they were going to start Cam, and, um, you know, instead of making it a competition. And then, you know, at that point, I think everybody just agreed, okay, it might be better off to just, And Jay was still looking for, okay, what, what you know, what they definitely wanted an extension, definitely yep. was interested in an extension, wasn't against coming off the bench, but definitely wanted to get an extension. But in the end, they decided it was best for him to just stay away. And to be fair to Jay, a couple things to say on that. To be fair to Jay, number one, he never really said anything awful publicly, right? He never did that one thing that makes everybody mad or gets everybody pissed off because he tweeted this or said that. He never really did that. And number two, I, I yeah, Jay Crowder wasn't an elite player on the Suns. He was a very important part of what happened here for those first two years. Sure. Very important. And I yeah. I don't forget, I always have a high level of appreciation for Jay and kind of the role he played and what he was asked to do and how smart he was and what a connector he was out there. Um, so I, 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 you know, I don't know if I'm going to stand and applaud. I don't know what the reaction is going to be. I'll be really, I think it's going to be very mixed. I think there are going to be some people who are appreciative of the two years, some people who are unhappy with how it ended, even though it might not be all his fault. Does it, and I think it, you'll hear a really mixed reaction to Jay tonight in the building. How about the fact that he's on the Bucks? That doesn't help because it's the Bucks. They it's, beat the Suns in the finals. Yep, they had the help. 
preemptive favorite to win it all again this year, like he may get his ring right now. Right. He may get his ring. Yep. I mean, he, you know, he wasn't able to get it in Miami. He didn't get it with the Suns. And he may get it with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Like, that might be tough, too. Like, if A.J. Crowder got a ring, if he get, if they get a ring this year. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that much about it, to be honest with you. He was a good player that was here for two years, but he, he wasn't a part of the 2022-2023 Phoenix Suns. I mean, to me, I mean, you know, he, he he was done after the Mavericks series. I mean, you know, he didn't show up at training camp. He didn't play in any games. It was just, I mean, the fact that he was still on the Suns and getting paid, to me, doesn't mean a whole lot. He was just never a part of this year's team. Yeah, yeah. I'll just be curious to see what the reaction is tonight. As for the Bucks themselves, they too are on the second night of a back-to-back. They played last night against Sacramento. Uh, got a huge night from Giannis, a huge night from Chris Middleton. Uh, the big three in Milwaukee have not spent a whole lot of time playing no, together on the floor, not. and it hasn't hurt them one bit. They've got the best record in the Eastern Conference by two and a half games. They're 20-2 and two in their last 22 games. There is nothing wrong with that basketball team. We had a guest on earlier from ESPN Milwaukee who talked about their depth. They're unbelievable depth that has allowed them to go this big, long stretch this season in which they haven't gotten a lot of combined minutes out of Chris yeah. and Drew and Giannis. It makes a, it makes a difference. Listen, I would never say the Suns, with even with KD, are the favorite to win it all, as long as the Milwaukee Bucks are out there, because if they're, the Bucks are, to me, are the best team in the NBA. They The teams that could beat the Suns are the teams that can defend the Suns. Now, you don't have to shut somebody down, but you got to be able to, you know, Content, contest some shots, slow them down at times, and Milwaukee has all the tools to defend the Phoenix Suns. Yes. Giannis on KD, Drew on Book, Middleton on whoever you want to put him on. Mm-hmm. You know, Lopez is a good defensive player. Jay comes in and can play some defense. Like, they can really get after it defensively. Um, they have tremendous depth. They, they have a terrific bench. So, and they've got, you know, their big three of Giannis, Drew, and Middleton is better than the Suns' big three of Durant, Paul, and Booker. Yeah, I mean, they just, Connaughton and Portis and Crowder and Grayson Allen and Brooke Lopez, in addition to their big three, it's, it's I'm not going to go so far as to call it a perfect basketball team, but they're going to be a really, really tough out for whoever plays them, whether it's the Suns in the finals or the Nuggets in the finals or somebody in the East, it's going to be a really tough deal. Now, tonight's game, yeah, t- tonight's it's look. It's always special when you get a finals rematch from a couple of years ago. Obviously, you like to measure yourself against the best. It's the second night of a back-to-back for both teams. We'll see about minutes and who plays what. You and I are both very much on the record as saying we're not that concerned with wins and losses right now. No, we're just about. We may get there. We might get there, but we're not there yet. And, and to explain what we mean by that, the closer they get down to the seventh seed in the Western Conference, then I'll start to get concerned about wins and losses. They're not quite there yet, but another few more losses, and they're going to start to kind of trickle down there, depending on what happens. I'll be concerned about wins and losses then. For now, it's just about getting Kevin Durant back, right? Your depth was compromised to make the Kevin Durant move. That's showing itself right now. This team isn't going to be complete until they get Katie back, and we're still weeks from that happening, so it's hard to assign a lot to these games right now. They're going to have to they're going to have to win some of these games, but this is a really tough stretch. Sacramento was a tough game. Um, 
Last night on the road against Golden State with this tough game. Tonight against Milwaukee. If Milwaukee plays everybody, tough game. So they'll win games. There are games that are coming up, Orlando, Oklahoma City, that are more winnable without without KD than the three games they're in right now. But the sky is not falling if they lose, have a three-game losing streak. You know, they built up enough equity to be okay as a playoff team, so I think they'll be alright. You know, the the question really always has always just come down to when Durant, when does Durant come back, and how does he come back? In the grand scheme of things, he just hasn't played a lot of basketball in the 2023 calendar year. Now, he should be fine talked so much about how adaptable he is, and he came here and played three games, and you felt like you've been here for years. Um, but he has had a knee injury, and now an ankle injury, in in the last three months. Yeah, right. So can he come back and play one playoff series, two playoff series, three playoff series, four playoff series, when you play it almost every other day mm-hmm. in a short amount of time, and can his body hold up? I don't know the answer to that. Nobody does. Yeah, nobody does, and we'll see. And in the meantime, we wait and hope that they can win enough games so we don't have to worry too much about the standings. And we'll get more into the standings in a little bit and kind of paint this picture of where they are and what they need to do. Suns, Bucks tonight at 7 o'clock. When we come back, the Arizona Cardinals finally have made a few moves to start free agency, including going outside the organization and bringing in a linebacker. We'll tell you what it means and what else is going on in free agency with the Cardinals next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. NFL free agency day two, and it brought with it a move by the Arizona Cardinals today, right before we went on the air. The Arizona Cardinals, did, they went and did the thing. Free agent linebacker Kazir White, two-year, $11 million max deal. Yes, all of the needs they have it. They got a linebacker. Offensive line and defensive line and corner, and the first player they got was a linebacker. Yeah, what were the odds on the first player they signed in free agency being a linebacker? Could have been very good. It could have been very could have been very good. <laughs> could have been. You probably would have bet a house payment on it. That you probably should have. The first play, they got to need offensive linemen, corners, defensive linemen. They just lost Zach Allen. J.J. Watt's not coming back. They cut Marcus Golden. They'll sign somebody on the, on the defense line. Now they got a linebacker. Yeah. Okay. Hey, look, we're being a little snarky here. They they did need a linebacker. They need one. Yeah, they got a guy that's a good player. Yeah, and he's a good player, and they got him on a very reasonable deal. We're mostly kidding around just because of the needs at some of the other positions are just so much more pronounced. So they, they Go ahead. Name the Cardinals starting offensive line right now. Go ahead. Name the Cardinals starting defensive line right now. You can't. We don't even know who it is. It's a bunch of question marks. It's a bunch of empty spaces on a piece of paper. We have no idea. So for them to start with linebacker, okay, it's a little curious, but it's, it's what it is. If you look at the terms, it's exactly the kind of move we can expect Monty Austin Fort and his crew to make more of as free agency wears on. Short-year deals, not a lot of money, players that they hope have high upside who can come in here and be good, sound football players, because they just didn't have enough of those guys last not year. Not kicking a lot of cans down the road with these money signings no, either. No, not at not, all. Not take not the Jordan Phillips deal. You don't want to put yourself in a position to get burned on a guy. You don't want to have dead cap money a year from nope. now that you wish you hadn't nope. had. And, and so because of that... 
that is going to require that you kind of sit out these first couple of days of free agency. And I'm I'm sure it's frustrating for Cardinals fans. I'm sure it's annoying as hell when you see Zach Allen go get $32.5 million guaranteed. Well, look at that point, I think there's two differences. That's annoying that the Cardinals have lost so many young players that they had drafted that were good. Mm-hmm. Like, you, they were good. We talk so much about the failed draft picks. Okay, it's it's one thing to fail at draft picks. It's another thing to not resign the not ones re-sign you got the right. ones that are good. Yeah. <laughs> ones you, hey, we got that one right. We'll keep that guy. No, you know? not a Lou. You, you've lost a bunch of those guys. So whether it was Hassan Reddick or Christian Kirk or now Zach Allen, like that part's annoying. Like that kind of sucks. Um, but the other, the part that's acceptable is, yes, I mean, this is the way you got to build right now. you got to got a lot of holes. You're going to have to sign a lot of guys on, you know, I don't want to say lower-level deals, but, I mean, you know, mid-range type deals. You're not giving out $40 million guaranteed money to anybody at this point. No, and, and, I, and maybe that's, that's why I'm kind of merging the two ideas together, because maybe Monty Austin Ford just looked at Zach Allen and said, we know how much it's going to take to bring him back, and we just don't think we're in a position to spend that kind of money on anybody right now. Whether we drafted him or not, whether he came from our system or not, we're just not in a position to be able to do that on anybody, for any player at this point. If they bring... I, I, I would agree with you if they re-sign Murph. If they don't, then I don't agree with that. You can't lose both. You can't lose both guys. You can't. You can't and, lose both. So that, if you lose Murph and Zach Allen, then I don't agree. If you if you prioritize one over the other, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I understand you can't spend all your money in free agency on your own guys, but you know you you got to keep some of the young players that you. If you if you if Murph leaves, that's another young guy that they drafted that was good and that left bef, you know before they hit their prime. And that kind of led me to my next point. Is just a curiosity if if the reason why Zach Allen did leave in part because he got that big money is because the Cardinals made their choice. The Cardinals choi- chose Byron Murphy over Zach Allen. Now, we haven't seen anything about Byron Murphy so far. So far, We've seen cornerbacks get contracts. We've seen cornerbacks get traded. We saw James Bradbury today re-sign with the Philadelphia Eagles. Many had pegged him to come to the Arizona Cardinals. He got a deal where he got, I think, like $20 million guaranteed to stay with Philly. Philly's been kind of hit or miss with their guys. They've lost some. They've kept well, they've some. They've lost four guys. They've lost a few. Defense. Yeah, yeah. At Hargrave. And Epps. and Epps and Edwards and a couple of others. Uh, White, obviously, to the Cardinals. So Bradbury's off the table. I, I think all eyes, I think if you're looking at the Cardinals, all eyes are on two things right now. Number one, Byron Murphy. When is that shoe going to drop? Is he staying? Is he going? How much is he getting? Where is he going? Um, I don't think he's getting $16 million a year because it, it just doesn't seem that's not what Jamel Dean got. That's not what some of the other free agent corners got. So maybe that projection was a little off. I think that's the first thing you're looking at with the Cardinals. I think the second thing you're looking at is the DeAndre Hopkins deal. Now, I'm reading a tweet from Gene Slater, who covers the Dallas Cowboys for the NFL Network. Not exclusively, but she spends a lot of time with the Cowboys. She tweeted out, to address my mentions, not sure where the D-Hop Cowboys talk is coming from, but my sources tell me they haven't approached it, and there's nothing there right now. Okay. She should probably check Micah Parsons' Twitter account, because he was the one who tweeted at DeAndre Hopkins. Like, Players do that all the time. I know. It doesn't mean uh, anything. It, Players do that all the time. Sometimes it means something. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time it doesn't. You know? <laughs> sometimes it means something. Yeah, the only team that I saw associated with Murph was the Bears. Who've been very active, but the Bears are looking for a number two cornerback. Okay, yeah, I I have not seen 
anything about where Byron Murphy can go. Because I think some were just almost assuming that the Cardinals were going to get Bradbury and he was going to be the choice instead of Byron Murphy. That's not going to happen. But I'm glad they didn't. I mean, I like Murphy better than Bradbury just because he's five years younger. Just because of the age I didn't, Yeah, I mean, 30-year-old cornerbacks for a team on the rebuild for the next two years does, doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless it's a one-year guy, stopgap type of guy, but a long-term deal now. Then the Cardinals did make some re-signings official today, including Kelvin Beecham. Um, we had the news yesterday that he had re-signed with the Cardinals. We didn't have the details. It's a two-year deal worth like $5.5 million. Most of it's in year one. It's a non-guaranteed salary for year two. So it's basically a one-year deal. Now, what's interesting about that is it's got people wondering, Kelvin Beecham, now that it's official, what's the future of Josh Jones? Like, he's he's going into the final year of his deal. Has, I think they like him a lot. I mean, not enough not to... Is he the starter over Kelvin Beecham? Is Beecham a backup with that contract? Probably. You're hoping he Are is. Are they looking to move DJ Humphreys and make Josh Jones the left tackle to see if they well, can get extra think, assets? I mean, I wouldn't think so. Didn't DJ just redo his deal? He did. He did. I would think DJ's your starting I'm left tackle. You're hoping Josh out Jones, loud, throw throw stuff Josh Jones wall. Is, is ready to be your full-time starter, and that Beecham at that money is a quality backup and rotational guy. So in your mind, it's Josh Jones as the starting tackle yes. and Beecham as the backup at that cost. Yeah. Because I think if Josh Jones is going to be a starting tackle... It's now or it's never? It's now or never. I mean, it's he's year four of love a four-year deal. If you're going to quote... Um, Kiss me, my darling. Who are you mine tonight? Who are you quoting? Elvis. <laughs> did you see Elvis, by the way? I have not seen it. Did you see the? You didn't see the Elvis movie? It's now or never. Elvis. You never. You. I, I know that song. I it's, would like the Elvis. The way song. you were doing the dramatic read, I, I didn't. I couldn't tell what song you were referring oh, okay. to. Um, you might actually like Elvis the movie. He was really good at it. The guy who uh, Austin Butler played Elvis. He was really good. I, I mean, I think I would like that. I think you would. Yeah. Well, Tom Hanks had a creepy, weird accent. Kind of. Oh, he's in the movie. Oh, he's Colonel Parker. He's like the manager. Uh, the whole movie is about the two of them, and kind of how Colonel Parker manipulated Elvis throughout the course of his uh, career. Okay. And Tom Hanks does the whole movie in this weird, like Dutch Scandinavian kind of accent. That just every time you hear it, you're like, "What is that? What are you doing?" The Tom? Dutch, I like the Dutch accent. Well, you might yeah. like the movie. You might want to check it yeah, out, especially cool if you just randomly quote Elvis in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon. Hoi dog. Check it out. <laughs> That's how you say hello in Dutch. Oh, wait a minute. Hoi dog. Hold on. Yeah, you got to move. Gotta sign. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Here we go. Per Ian Rappaport, the Arizona Cardinals are bringing back guard Will Hernandez, agreeing to terms with their starter from last season. So the Arizona Good. Cardinals are bringing Good. back Will Hernandez. One of the stars of uh, Hard Knocks. <laughs> well, they were in Mexico Indeed City. He was. That's right. Indeed he was. Um, yeah, good player. Good player. No word on terms, but Ian Rappaport reporting within the last minute, Will Hernandez is coming back. Okay. So I was wrong. So you're starting The next shoot to drop about the Cardinals was not it was not Byron Murphy and it was not uh DeAndre Hopkins. It was still need a, you still need help on the offensive line. You you'll address a lot but I would imagine in the draft. But you got Beecham back, you've got Jones. Now you got to get a center. 
Yes. Who's your center? And that market's starting to get a little thin, too, in free agency. Yeah. Posick signed yesterday, three years, $18 million. Yeah. Uh, some of those guys. God, are... if they just wouldn't have traded for Hollywood Brown, they would have their center of the future right now. <laughs> well, ifs and buts, right? Oh, man. Ifs and buts. Yeah. The, the, these... They would have drafted Linderbaum. The center market is not. It, it's some of the names have come off the board. You mentioned Posick. Kel, I don't think Kelsey was much of an option, but he decided to go back. Bradley Bozeman um, returned to the Panthers, got a three-year deal. Garrett Bradbury's off of the off of the chart right now, too. So there's the center options. Girdles need one, badly. They'll have to dip in and get somebody somewhere unless they want to bring back Billy Price. Oh, no. <laughs> please, no. <laughs> when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the Western Conference standings for the Phoenix Suns. At first glance, you look at it, and there's not that much to worry about. And right now, there isn't. There could be something to worry about. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, live at Footprint Center on Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Yep, that's exactly what's going on today. It is Sunday. It's presented by Michelob Ultra. We're live inside Footprint Center, and our coverage today is also brought to you by FanDuel. As we got the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30, and we'll have all the action for you here today. Now, the Suns, obviously, two-game losing streak, back-to-back tough games against Sacramento, and then Golden State last night, which they got obliterated in the first half, somehow managed to make that a game. Then tonight, Milwaukee, Gambo, it's a tough stretch. We've talked about how tough these three games are. Things get a little easier after this in that it's Orlando and Oklahoma City and the Lakers. But then, as you pointed out, Oklahoma City and the Lakers, desperate. they're not good, desperate. but they're desperate, right? Give I mean, me Denver right now. They're terrible. <laughs> Give me the Nuggets. Are they still down 17? Man, we're down 17 to Toronto. Wow. I mean, that game's Haven't on they, the TV over there. They're, Mitch, down six, they're down 16 right now. It's they, hard to win games when you don't play defense. It's crazy. <laughs> They've lost three straight, Mitch? Four. Four. Wow. Four. Falling apart, right? Yeah, they're at that. You know what they're at? They're at that point in the season where I'm tired of this. 100%. Like, can we just play in the playoffs? Can we just get this over Tired with, of this please. regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakers are in action tonight. They're taking on the Pelicans. They're up by 12. Ooh. The Lakers on the road up by 12. Anthony Davis already has 14 in that game. The Thunder are taking on the Nets, and they're down by nine nine right now against the Nets. Cam Johnson has 10. Mikel Bridges has eight in that game. So happy for Mikel. I'm happy. Mikel's getting all the attention. I'm happy for both of them, but Mikel has really played well there was since a that deal. Great story that I sent you um, today on just how great the Nets defense has been since they got Mikel Bridges. And that, mean, was the, right? that was the story. Yeah, that was the the whole story. That was the whole story. They got Mikel Bridges like, and suddenly they're playing defense in Brooklyn, like, right? Let's do a story on the Nets and how great their defense is. I think it was in, in one of the, the New York papers and the headline was, let me just get it here for one second. Nets number one defense response, responsible for season swinging stretch. <laughs> and it's just the whole thing about just how great the defense has been. Brooklyn's ability to get stops. You know, and it's just, I mean, obviously you've got Mikel Bridges. one of the best defensive players in the entire league. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Nets number one defense Responsible for season swinging stretch, and they're just writing all about how great they've been and they had the big stops that they get in all these games that they're playing. And they're, over their last six games, they boast a defensive rating of one hundred five point seven. And just yeah, this talks about just how great Mikhail is. This is a, a weird time for the Suns right now. Um, in that, 
we have this full expectation that they'll be a championship contender when they get Kevin Durant back. Yeah. But Kevin Durant is still weeks away from coming back. When exactly it happens, we don't know. We'll have James Jones on the show tomorrow. I, I doubt we'll get much in the way in clarity, but we'll certainly ask the questions and see if we we'll can get ask some information. We'll ask it, but they, they, already, they have already said he'll be reevaluated in three weeks. I mean, that's they're not going to re- they're not going to evaluate him until they get to three weeks. So he could say like he's doing he's doing rehab and he's working and he's like, but like as far as evaluating him to come back, that's very unlikely to happen earlier than the three week mark. Tomorrow is the one week mark for what it's worth. Tomorrow marks one week since he injured himself. It was last Wednesday when that happened. So we'll just we'll kind of keep that timeline in mind. The thing about the Suns right now for as as this weird spot that we're in is if you look at the standings, you and I both agree on a lot of this. Okay, you and I both agree that it really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter whether they finish fourth or fifth or sixth or third. As long as they have Kevin Durant, you, would you like home court advantage? Yes. Would you like to manipulate the matchup a little bit by getting a team you'd want? Yes. But at the end of the day, you'll take your chances with a healthy Kevin Durant, no matter what your seat is, no matter whether you're at home or on the road. That being said... The Phoenix Suns right now are two and a half games away from the seventh seed in the Western Conference. Now, I don't think they're going to fall that far. I don't think we have to worry a week from now like the Suns flirting with getting in the play-in game. For me, that is the only reason right now to want the Suns to really win these basketball games. Knowing that the playoffs are close, knowing that Kevin Durant's health is the only thing that matters, the only thing driving me to want to see them win some of these games, beyond just the enjoyment of them winning, is to stay away from that play-in. They can't get there. Okay, That's what dangerous. If, what if they fell from fourth to sixth? And six may you may end up playing Memphis or Sacramento as the sixth seed. Instead of a Golden State or the Clippers. Like Memphis, Clark's out. Steven Adams is out. Jaw's out. Sacramento, like, they, they've had the, they have the longest playoff drought in pro sports right now. 16 years? 16 years. They haven't made the playoffs. Like, not battle-tested at all. That's not a bad matchup. No. There's not, like... Like, there's nothing wrong with falling to six, in my opinion, as long as KD gets back. I agree. I don't want to, I don't want to, you want to avoid the playing game at all costs because that one game scenario right there. Now, you would, you know, if you're the seventh seed, you'll get two games. Yeah. But the one game scenario, but even that, two one game scenarios are very dangerous. It's just, it's, it's, I think the Suns would be, would advance, but there's just no guarantees. There's no guarantees. Like, okay, right now, Minnesota's seven, Dallas is eight, the Lakers are nine, the Pelicans or 10. So let's say you're the seven seed, you play Dallas, and Kyrie and Luka go off and you lose. Now you're in a must-win game against LeBron James and the LA Lakers. You really want to do that? You don't want to do that to yourself if you're the Sun. So no. it's, it's really... And to just, your just, point, yeah, to your point, you're... It's not... In my opinion, wrong to think that the sixth seed might actually be a good spot. The best seed when it's all sudden. You don't have yeah. the home court advantage. Let Golden State and the LA Clippers knock the snot out of each other for seven games. Let them do that. Let let them play a long, hard fought series and, and because those are two teams that I truly think I, I'd really rather avoid them if possible. Let them play in the first round. Let the Suns now the one thing I would worry about is that Sacramento, we've undervalued I've undervalued 
valued them all year. Maybe they're actually this good and they'd be a real threat. The other thing is if Jaw comes back and he provides the jolt for Memphis that we're expecting Kevin Durant to provide for the Suns. That makes Memphis a very scary basketball team. I'd still rather have them than the Clippers or the Warriors or maybe even the Kings, but I do wonder when Jaw comes back how much of a jolt he gives that team when he does. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, I I would think he's going to come back, but we just don't know. Don't he's know. getting counseling right now, and I don't know if they, you know, if his mind's right and they bring him back, they bring him back. Adams could come back, too. He's not ruled out for the playoffs. They ruled him out for the regular season. He, they didn't really say about the playoffs. They didn't the say about the playoffs. Yeah, Brandon so, Clark's out. He's Brandon done. Clark's done for the year. Yeah. But, they like, Desmond Bain has been great for them, and Tyus has been good, and Brooks has been good. Like, they played well. They Like, they won last night. They beat Dallas last night. Right? No Luka, no Kyrie. But that's – they're winning games. You get to the point where if the Suns lose this game tonight, you might start to – we're getting really close to the point where you start to give up on the two and the three seed. We ain't close. You might not want to do it yet, but you're getting close. Yeah, I'm pretty close to that. Yeah, you're close. I'm I mean, it might close, be yeah, like a loss like, tonight. You might be like, okay, they're not going to do it. Yeah. You, know, you get down to under 15 games and you're four or five back in the standings, it might be too hard to do. Right now, they are four and a half back of the two. Wow. Three and a half back of the three. It's not. But four in the loss column. Four in the loss column yeah. from two. Yes, four in the loss column from two. I'm a loss column guy. No, I'm sorry. Five in the loss column from two. And four, four in the loss column from three. Right. Yeah, you're a, you're a big loss. Why aren't you a big win column guy? Uh, it's just the loss column. That's what you got to make up. You, you, you got to make up the losses. But the, the, win, I, the win column serves the same purpose. I always it? look at the loss column. You've got, I know. You've got four more losses than they do. I've done this show Every for loss you years, have. You are always about the loss column. I'm a loss column. To the point where You've brainwashed me into looking at the loss column. I've never looked at the win column. I know. Who looks at the win column? Nobody looks at the win column. Why do you look at the loss column? Because that's what you're chasing. That's what you're chasing. They got four more losses than you. It's well, you've got four more losses than them. Too much time with you. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I'm I'm just around you too often. Yesterday, I said a word like you. What did you say? I forgot. What was it, Mitch? Do you remember what word I I idea gambified? Do you remember what it was? The word you gambified. Yeah, Yeah, the word that I I pronounced like he, and I gave myself, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it is either, unfortunately. I I said words like you, and, and now I'm looking at lost columns like you. There's nothing wrong with looking at the lost column. <laughs> I mean, that eventually is, you know, you've got to make you got to make that up. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. It's overdue. We get a chance to catch up with Bally Sports Arizona pre- and post-host Tom Leander. We'll talk all things Sun next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, live at Footprint Center on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, as we are live from Footprint Center. It's Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. 
live inside Footprint Center with our coverage brought to you as well by FanDuel. And uh, while we don't get down here as often as we used to, certainly it's always good to catch up with old friends and old colleagues and get to talk a little Suns basketball. And yes, that's code word for Tom Leander from Suns pre-post Valley Sports and the Phoenix Suns. He joins us here from our broadcast location. Good to see you. How you and doing, I love Tommy? when you guys come here to FanDuel and Footprint Center. It's awesome. To actually see you guys in person because I listen to you guys every day. That's where yeah. I get my information. This is the first year that we haven't been on his show. We got invited. We've been on to be show. fair, we got invited we and did? we couldn't quite make you, it work with the, the schedule. two of you have kind of been bumped by Sophie Cunningham. So, oh, you know, not yeah, that you're not yeah. good-looking dudes, yeah. uh, but yeah. she's fantastic. She's been so much She's fun. done a good job. She's done a really yeah, good job. I know. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be tough to get five at the desk, mm. you know, even three, yeah. you know, with TC spreading out all of his notes <laughs> oh, and his long legs and stuff. And Sophie's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, is she really? Yes. I know. I, I walk through the hallways here at Footprint Center. She's just towering over me. I'm like, yeah, you too? Like, it's Chambers, it's Eddie, and now Sophie, for God's sake. Yeah, you got to walk next Jeez. to the two of them sometimes. I, always, I, I mean, nothing personal. I always think about how high you have to jack up your chair on yeah. that oh, yeah. set to even oh, and Chambers look like three goes, level heads across yeah. it, right? Leander, bring the chair down. <laughs> it used to be phone books. It used to, because we didn't have those, the chairs that had the hydraulics. No way. Oh, three. You used phone, to sit I, on phone books? Three. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, and then I dropped it to two. and Then, yeah. you know, then two. eventually, after a while, yeah, like, exactly. screw it. I don't no, care. We get a chair with some hydraulics yeah. in it, and you're okay. Know, All right, let, let's talk about this basketball team. I, I've said for the last few days, even going into the Sacramento game, it, these, none of this stuff really matters. You can't get too high or low by losing to – if you lose three in a row here, you can't get too high or low. The only thing that really matters is Kevin Durant needs to come back healthy, mm-hmm. and then everything gets fixed right there. As long as nothing's changing, the mood's not changing in the locker room. Obviously, the fans are all freaking out. Two straight losses to two very good teams. But no now reason you have the to. No, I mean, I think, the you know, just talking to friends and family and fans, that you know, it's just tough when you see KD go down with a non-contact injury. And you're like, oh, man, that's like our worst-case scenario. But, you know, it's not anything serious. He's going to be back. Uh, hopefully he gets five or six games before the playoffs. But it, it was just, it was hard visually to see that happen. Is there any concern when you think about it that by the time he comes back he's only played like since the middle of January like three games and those are three really damn good games they were but he hasn't played a whole lot of basketball uh, you, you know most to. of January yeah. February March we're going to get into April by the time he comes back you know probably so just not a lot of basketball that he's played this year well what did James Jones just say he's not going to forget how how to play basketball in two weeks no but then you're going to ask him if you want to make a run to the NBA finals mm-hmm. to go play potentially 25 games where you're playing like almost every other day in a short in a, a short amount of time before I mean, he rolled his ankle he was on his way i mean his minutes went from what 27 to 31 to 40 and he was fine his cardio that guy i mean he can run he stays in shape you know i'm sure he's on the bike the stationary bike or you know he's you know in the hydro pool swimming but yeah. he's going to be fine and, and and to gambo's point and i i suspect gambo might be playing devil's advocate a little bit on this one it does feel like there's a handful of players a, a really exclusive club of guys who can not play but more than three or four games over the course of five months and be fine. Kevin Durant seems like he's in yeah, that club. You know, the, like, and it's, it's not a big club. Like, I don't, I don't even know, honestly, if I'd put Devin Booker in that club. Like, I think he would need a little ramp up to shake some of the rust off. I don't think I would put Kevin Durant in that club. I think he could not play basketball for three months, show up, and be fine. Because that's just 
him. That's him. what he does. And, and the most overused term once the Suns acquired him, malleable. I had to look it up. I wasn't really sure. Flexible. I mean, you can adaptable. put him in adaptable. 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 Exactly. Campbell's been using exactly. bigger words so, lately, and but we've had and, to tone it so down So that's different a than bit. a Kyrie Irving. I mean, you have to adapt to him. KD's going to adapt to everybody else, and he can go anywhere on the floor, and the Suns system is perfect for him. My concern is the role, guys, you know, and, and everybody defining their roles with KD out there because, man, it totally changes. I mean, just look at how difficult it's been for Book to get shots off. I mean, he's still scoring his points, but the degree of difficulty is totally different than the spacing we saw that he had on the weak side when KD was on the floor. Well, now, gonna, those, those are the things where, is it going to be Josh Okogie? Is it going to be Terrence Ross in the corner? Is it going to be Ish Wainwright? I mean, tonight, Ish Wainwright against Giannis, I think he's going to get some minutes there. But those are the defined roles in campaign. We need campaign to be campaign. He's been, he's been. He needs to be the catalyst Bernsie, off the bench. You know, and I, I will give Bernsey Kerman. He was really pushing to go get Reggie Jackson, Goran Dragic, somebody as an insurance policy mm-hmm. for campaign. Because there were some games last year in the playoffs where campaign was terrible at the turn of holiday. He was not good. So there is some concerns. Now, you know, maybe Monty feels like, hey, if, if Cam can't get the job done and Chris has to come out, I'll just have Booker handle mm-hmm. the ball. Because yeah. you could do that, too, and not, you know, not really lose anything. So and he used to be Shamit, too, but uh, who knows when Landry Shamit's going to return. I don't think he'll be part of the playoff rotation at all. You know, and, and what's funny, okay, we were, Gimbo and I were talking about this earlier. What's funny to me about Shamit is that, and you tell me if I'm nuts, because maybe this is nuts, it seems like the Suns, after trading Cam and Mikel, what they have now are either really good offensive players that are questionable defensively, or just the opposite. Really good defensive players who you just aren't sure offensively what they're going to give every single night. And they lost kind of the hybrid guy when they got rid of Mikel and somewhat to a certain extent Cam as well. And Jay. And Jay. Landry can be a hybrid guy, right? Like, I mean, his shot, I know his confidence kind of wavers back and forth. Defensively, he's better than a lot of these guys that we're talking about there. He can defend. It's just if his shot is falling. I feel like he's a little bit more of a hybrid guy than some of the guys that the Suns are trotting out there now who are either all offense and no defense or all defense and no offense. He's a little bit more of a tweener. 100%. I mean, I think he showed his defensive skills, especially in the playoffs against Dallas. That's when Monty put him in there in the backcourt, and he was staying in front of guys. And then, even when his shot, outside shot, is not falling, I mean, he's very explosive. We saw him go to the rim, throwing it down and going baseline. So he definitely has those different levels to his game offensively and then defensively. I think he's excellent. And he's, just like you said, with Josh Okoge, so good defensively, and you don't know what you're going to get on the offensive end. But we said the same thing about Jay Crowder. You know, the thing with Jay was he'd go 0 for 7. You're like, man, as long as a minute and a half left in the game, a minute and a half left in the game, you're like, go ahead and shoot it, Jay, because that's when he was money, and that's what happened in the first meeting between the Suns and Bucks. And it was, I was doing a little research on this game, just looking at, okay, who's going to cover Giannis? And how did Giannis do last year? And I went back. He, he was held under 20 in both games. I'm like, oh, that was good. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Jay Crowder was covering it. Yeah, yeah. And I was on yeah. their team. Yeah. I think that, you know, James's philosophy when they didn't have the star players was to always try to beat teams 4 through 12. I'm going to have a better fourth guy, fifth guy, sixth guy, seventh guy, eighth guy. They were able to do that. But once you start spending the type of money they're spending on Booker, Paul, KD, DA, your role players are all minimum guys. Your role players are all just guys that are on veteran minimum contracts, the majority of them. So it's harder to have a great bench. It's harder to have the depth that you may want 
when you're so top-heavy with four guys making so much money. And we saw that with Golden State. I mean, so many of those teams, the, the Bulls of the past, you know, you had all those role guys coming in off the bench. The thing with Golden State and why they had so much success was they could depend on guys like Sean Livingston or Leandro Barbosa, the guys that were coming in off the bench for them. Um, even Iguodala. Iguodala. You know, before yeah. he, they put him in the starting lineup. So the Suns just don't haven't had that consistency, that reliability on the guys from the bench. And that's what I was talking about with KD. That would have been nice to have a couple extra weeks to see, all right, you're the guy, you're six, you're seven, you're eight. Right now, I mean, eight can be 11, 11 could be seven. I mean, everybody's bouncing back and forth. Sure. And Monty, Monty's got a short leash. I mean, you saw the other day, Damian Lee played four minutes, campaign played seven minutes. So he's basically, if you don't give it to him in the first three to four minutes, you're coming out. And that's why I've noticed with like a TJ Warren, I'd like to see that leash be a little bit longer Man, for him. That's, just, just, that's a big question score. mark for me. I'm not exactly sure what's going on he there. He can score. He, yes, he can. But, but, he's not but good something's missing. Something's missing. But Ross At is practice so or bad some... defensively. Yeah. I don't know. You know, again, it's it's not open practices anymore. So we used to be able to get in there and kind of right. really see the X. And I see why. I mean, there's obvious reasons. Social media and there has to be a trust level for all the eyes in there. I mean, you go back to the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole thing. Like somebody took a video of that and, and, yeah. and exposed what happened. So teams now are very protective. And things like T.J. Warren just wondering, man, it'd be great to be in practice. Go, you know, he's not picking up plays or oh, guys are blowing past him or his shot's just not there. But I think we all expected after those deals, bringing in T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross, that was six and seven with campaign eight. You know, those were the three first guys off the bench. Yeah, and, and I think we all know this isn't our first rodeo. We all know how this is going to work come playoff time. Starters' minutes are going to grow. Bench guys' minutes are going to shrink. So, you know, two months from now, a month from now, this might not mean as much. They'll still provide minutes, of course, but not the same volume that they're providing now. That is why my concern about campaign is profound. Because mm-hmm. he is is virtually a lock to be a guy who gets those minutes come playoff time, right? I mean, he is the backup point guard. Your starter's 37 years old. There are other things you can do. I'm really worried about campaign. He just has not looked right since coming back from this injury at all. I mentioned on the show yesterday, it was the Kings game at home. It was the first time I saw him really frustrated on the bench. Um, and I think that was Monty talk, took him out after just a few minutes. And he's just such an upbeat guy. He's always the first guy off the bench, high five, and all the other players if, if he's not in there. But yeah, there was some visual frustration uh, with Cam. But you know what? He's, he, he can bounce back in one game. If he plays well tonight against the Bucks, strings together two or three good games, I think we're all going to be back on board going, you know, he can be that trigger man coming in off the bench. And that was my vision. It was campaign coming in for Chris Paul because I really want pace. I want pace with KD and Book. I want to see campaign pushing it and those guys out on the wings and you got maybe, you know, DAs out there or even Jock trailing. I mean, that, that's because Chris doesn't play with a lot of pace. No, no, he doesn't none. play with. Oh, I'm watching that clock going. Get it over. You're almost. Yeah. At, you're almost. That's out. why Sacramento 16. plays so fast. You know, Sacramento uh-huh. plays fast, and you know, Golden State plays so fast. And it's like, okay, you match up with some of these teams. You got to play a little bit quicker. You got to try to match that a little and bit. And that was the beauty of KD watching him bring the ball up the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, like, and seriously, and you're going to get more of that come yes, playoff time. No I mean, the, the ball handler, offensive initiative. Role that doesn't have to be a traditional point guard by any means.
means when this thing gets into the postseason between KD and Book and all the options yeah. they've got. You've got a show you've got to get ready for? 6.30. 6.30. Anything you want to promote on Valley Sports for tonight? TC and Spicy. Spicy Sophie Cunningham. Actually, we're going to talk to Sophie about Brittany Griner. She's been working out with Brittany over oh, nice. the practice facility. So, okay. you know, it's not a topic that we've really touched upon. Um, Brittany's going through a lot of stuff right now. Sure. So, uh, But it'll be really interesting. Sophie and I have had some conversations off air about it. And, uh, yeah, just for her to kind of express her feelings about Brittany and what she's seeing and feeling from, from Griner. Great. Yeah, it's just so great that, That's cool. that she's back and she's back in the flow and basketball is, you know, for everybody. If you're, you know, if you're having problems on the outside, that's where you go. That's your sanctuary. All right. Well, if one day comes and Sophie's not there for you, we're, we're still more than happy to come, come off the bench. And, yeah, come, come off, off the, the bench. bench and watch TC and Gambo go at it for a few minutes. That's always fun. I'm not sure if you guys quite have the wardrobe that Sophie brings to these games, though. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. This you may true. not really know what's in yeah. Bernsey's closet. <laughs> Don't want to know. Are you saying a short sleeve yeah. Henley t-shirt and a no. secondhand where he does the radio polo? show from yeah. sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. She brings a really great perspective, she and she's does. excellent. And she's going to be on ESPN or TNT. I'm like, Sophie, this is great having you here for a couple weeks, but in, in any time, yes. your agent's calling. Like, mm-hmm. It was great to have you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Exactly. Yeah. Tom Leander from the Sun's Broadcast Crew. Thanks for coming by, Tom. Thanks, you guys. Great to see you. Bonus Burns and Gambo when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We'll recap everything that happened to the Arizona Cardinals today in free agency, keeping some guys, adding some guys, stuff to talk about, and we'll do that next here on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, it is bonus Burns and Gambo. We are with you until 6.30 tonight here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, as we walk you right up until pregame coverage of the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks with John Bloom and the whole crew down here from Footprint Center. This is a Suns day. It's presented by Michelob Ultra. We're live inside Footprint Center with our coverage also brought to you by FanDuel. So we're going to be with you for another half hour or so. And, of course, tomorrow we'll be talking about this Bucks game. I believe we have James Jones on. I think we're scheduled to have a player on tomorrow as well. So we'll have a busy day. And then, of course, tomorrow. Dayton. 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 ASU. Let's win go. Win and move on. Win Let's and go. I will see that TCU game on Friday. Let's play. hope they win. Win and play the Horn Frogs. In fact, I saw another thing on The Athletic today in which they predicted the 10 upsets most likely to happen in the first round. They also said ASU over TCU. Did they also say Nevada over TCU? No, no. Unlike ESPN. Oh, they got ESPN ASU winning. covered their bases and they picked both Nevada and ASU over TCU as potential first-round upsets. Uh, the Athletic just said ASU. Okay. That that is a, that's a reasonable first-round upset as long as ASU. As long as ASU knocks down a couple shots. <laughs> like you just, you know, be, actually nice. scores the basketball. Be nice. Shoot better than, what was their 30, 30, 31%? 31%? 31%? Oh, yeah, they're just not a good shooting basketball team, but very capable of winning that game against Nevada. I don't think they could beat TCU, but I think that, you know, well, well Nevada, see, Nevada's problem, that Casey Jakeson brought this up when he was on with us yesterday, their point guard is not really a point guard. Yeah. And ASU's defense is, man, they're in your face, so they'll pressure that kid. That kid better be ready. He's not a traditional point guard. And ASU's going to be all over him, trapping him, forcing him to make decisions. That will be a key to the game. Didn't intend to fall into ASU t- 
talk, but I did hear Bobby Hurley on with the morning show today, and it sounds like there's a chance for Austin Nunez tomorrow. Oh, that's good. He would help. Yeah, yeah. He no would question. help. I mean, he's been out with the concussion. I like that kid. I like that kid a lot. Um, he would certainly help ASU. We'll see if he's available, but that's tomorrow night. We'll be off a little early for that one tomorrow, and like I said, we've got Suns basketball coming up tonight. In the meantime, um, day two of free agency, and we finally started to see the 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 tree they they shook the tree a little bit today to the Arizona Cardinals and making some moves and the most recent one to come down is once again keeping one of their own Will Hernandez two year nine million dollar deal now I'm sure there are some details in there in terms of guaranteed money and all that but he's back on a two year deal Kelvin Beecham is yeah. back on a two year deal D J Humphreys had the contract restructured you're starting to get still got Josh some Jones. guys you still got Josh Jones maybe he's actually the starting tackle and Kelvin's a backup or maybe they move Josh to one of the guard spots I don't know but th- you know at least in that regard something kind of taking shape a little bit for the cards yeah I think there's a good chance that they're going to be very uh, very active you know more so on the defensive side of the ball with the line you lost J.J. Watt Marcus Golden was cut Zach Allen just signed with the Broncos on a big deal that's really where you got you got more needs but also you know there's a major hole right now on the offensive line at center You've got to find a good center, and I'm telling you, they would have drafted the Linderbaum kid last year if they had if they had that pick and didn't make the trade for Hollywood Brown. But let's see what they do. If you know no Hopkins trade at this point, I'm still looking to see if they would trade him and maybe get another second round pick. And you've got to be real. You got to be really good in the draft. And I think that they're going to really concentrate on the offensive and defensive lines in the draft. You know, first round, second round, third round to really just you know beef that up. I would tend to think that's what's going to happen here as well. Now the big move for the Cardinals today, and I, I say big and it's relative. It's big because they went outside the organization and signed somebody to a multi-year deal. Former Eagles player. Because uh, you're white. The free agent linebacker from the Eagles, a two-year, $11 million max deal with the Cardinals. Last year, 110 tackles, seven pass breakups, three tackles for loss. He spent the last year with the Chargers in which he had like 144 tackles for the Chargers as well. He's young. He's 27 years old. He's obviously got the Eagles ties with Jonathan Gannon and Rawlis, so there's that. We I think we all expected that the Cardinals were going to dip into the Eagles to get a player, given the connections with Gannon and Rawlis. We just didn't know which yeah. one, because there were so many to choose from, from all those Eagles yeah. players. They got white. Good short tackler. Not a guy that's going to you know sack the quarterback a whole lot. Not a lot of passes defense, but just a solid tackler. Can call a defense, line guys up, but not a guy that you're going to say, okay, you know, maybe more of a little bit of like a Jordan Hicks was a pretty good tackler, wasn't really great in coverage. So I would expect that this is a player, familiarity with Gannon, familiarity with the defense that they're going to run that can come in and just, you know, you, you just re- make tackles, right? Don't, and the Cardinals last year had a lot of those, you know, the the yards after the catch. You want to make sure guys don't kill you in yards after the catch. It's funny. It's a very analytical, next-gen kind of stat, but you cited one yesterday about Zach Allen. I've actually got one here about Kazir White. If you look at the fewest yards per target allowed 
as a defender? Kazir White was number one in the NFL last year. Since Actually, he's been number one in the NFL since 2021. So it's suggesting that his coverage skills pretty good, you know, for his ability to get and, out there. And the tackles you yeah, get and, ta- and the tackles to make sure that there, you, you don't have a lot of yards after the catch and things like that. So he's, look, a solid addition, very much in line with how free agency is going to go for the Cardinals this year. Short deals, not a lot of money, finding guys who can fill holes but not break the bank. There's no reason to go signing somebody to the multi-multi-year thing with lots of guaranteed money where it could be dead money a couple of years. The Cardinals are trying to get off that train. The Cardinals are trying to reset their organization a little bit, I think, with some of their finances. And so they don't really want to. I think the Kazir White signing is very indicative of what we're going to see out of this team over these next few days in terms of the deals that they do. We've already seen it with Beecham and now with Will Hernandez. This is kind of the way. And a lot of the times you've got to wait out the first couple of days of free agency. Let the big money players sign. Let the dust settle. Players all of a sudden look and they thought they were going to go somewhere and that team signed somebody else. They thought they were going to go here and they signed somebody else. And, you know, all of a sudden what your agent told you you might be getting, you're going to to take less because now you want to make sure that you have a team and the Cardinals could, could come in now and start signing some players that are probably going to get less than they expected, and uh, that will be good for the Cardinals because you don't have to spend that type of money. So that's what usually I have. Let the dust settle after the first couple days and then sign some players to come in here and help them with their positions and needs. There was one guy that a lot of people had affiliated with the Cardinals. That was James Bradbury. He's returning to the Eagles on a three-year deal. I, pr- I preferred Murph over him just yep. because there's a five-year age difference. I'd rather the younger guy. No word on Murphy, the Byron Murphy. Um, nothing. Can I, nothing. All I mean, quiet all the, on the Western Front. Chicago on might have some interest. I mean, maybe. I hope he comes back to the Cardinals. I think he's a good football player. And I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of the Cardinals losing good young football players that they drafted that are good. They've developed, and all of a sudden these guys leave. Around the NFL today, when looking at free agency, I, I think probably the, the two big things that happened that stood out the most, and there are perhaps some Cardinal implications in them. Number one, there's no Cardinal implications with this one. The Jets signed Alan Lazard to a four-year deal of $44 million. He was the Packers' best receiver. He, he was, and uh, reportedly, according to Diana Rossini, Aaron Rodgers gave the Jets a list and said, if you want me, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Listed demands. Uh, written on the palm of his hand, apparently. And Alan Lazard was one of the guys on that list. Cobb was a guy who was on that list. OBJ was a guy who was on that list. Whether the Jets can do all of that for Rodgers, I don't know. But I do know this. Rodgers is appearing on Pat McAfee's show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Maybe that's the big reveal. Maybe then we find out how this is going. I think we all assume he's going there because the Jets certainly haven't done anything that would suggest anything otherwise. But hopefully we get some resolution on this because, man, they're dragging this thing out. I think that's why they want to get rid of him in Green Bay. Just tired of all the drama year after year after year and speculation and just stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, let's move on. We got one Super Bowl with him. It's amazing some of these great quarterbacks that have only won one Super Bowl. All all those years in Green Bay, all those years with the number one seed in the NFC, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. One Super Bowl. One. That was a while ago. It was a while ago. They're always good. They're always. I I think when the Aaron Rodgers era ends in Green Bay, yeah, it was punctuated by greatness in the Super Bowl and the fact that every year it seemed like they won 11 or 12 games. I think among all of that, I will also remember all of the playoff games they lost at home. So which Uh era was better, the Favre era or the Rodgers era? I'd really have to think about that. 
I'd, homework I'd, for tomorrow. I'd really. I homework for tomorrow. Off the top of my head, I'd be inclined to say Rodgers, but I'd really have to look at it to know for sure. I don't. Then the other thing that happened today: Darren Waller, the tight end for the Raiders, got traded to your New York Giants for a third round pick, the same pick they got in the Kadarius Tony trade with Kansas City. Now it's not a one to one comparison because Waller's a tight end, not a wide receiver. But there had been some speculation that Giants might be a landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins because they really needed to upgrade some of the receiving threats for Daniel Jones. Again, I know Waller's a tight end, but some wondered when that deal came down if that might take the Giants out of any DeAndre Hopkins. Do you need a wide pursuit. receiver when your quarterback never throws the ball more than five yards? That's a rhetorical question. You're not expecting Just me to wonder, answer that, Just wonder, do you, you need a wide receiver? If you're not going to throw the ball more than five yards... If a tree falls in the fourth... Is I, it worth it to have a wide receiver? If you think that that wide receiver not having him is what's holding your quarterback back, that oh no, nice he won't throw it. One. He won't throw it past five yards. He's got a <laughs> you know little, for a fact that he got won't. a little line right there. He uh, won't cross that line. You know, he knows not to Daniel do that. Daniel Jones does not throw the ball down the field. It has been really quiet on the D hop front. Um, there was a Micah Parsons tweet that raised our eyebrows, made us think, made us wonder if something with the Cowboys was happening soon. It's not. I saw this tweet from Ian Rappaport earlier today. The Panthers are going to host Adam Thielen on a visit tomorrow. Okay. Maybe that takes them out of D-Hop if they sign him, because the Panthers certainly, after trading D.J. Moore, certainly could use a wide receiver. Now, would you want to pair D-Hop with a rookie? I don't know. I think Thielen's 32. I think he had about 700 yards receiving this year, if I remember correctly. Um, he's his best days are beyond behind him, but he's still like a good football player. Yeah. So, but not at the level of DeAndre Hopkins. I'll tell you something else to keep an eye on too, and that's going to be backup quarterbacks for the Arizona Cardinals. As that market starts to sh- the center market shrinking a little bit, the backup quarterback market is shrinking a little bit. How much do you want to pay a backup? How quarterback? much can you pay? Right? How much are you willing to You're, for a guy that you hope only plays half the year for you're you? Seeing some, some of these guys get bigger deals. Yeah. 